Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. With you tonight, it's Aria, Nikki, and Bonnie. Putin, that's the Russian president or whatever they call him over there, has been appointed as the chief exorcist of Russia because they're no, they're no longer just denazifying Ukraine, they're desatanizing Ukraine. He has time for that? Like, he is supposed to be, like, the head of the military and the president or whatever they call it over there, and he can go around doing exorcisms? Well, the attack, they're repainting, from what I can gather, they're repainting the war in Ukraine as an act of exorcism to exterminate the Satan in Ukraine. So so let's start with that because it's all very confusing. And I saw this. I was like, good Lord, what? And Putin has been appointed. This is according to Newsweek. Putin has been appointed the chief exorcist as the Kremlin whips up a satanic panic. Russian President Vladimir Putin has been named the chief exorcist by the head of the country's Orthodox Church as the Kremlin seeks to redefine the goals of its invasion of Ukraine. And I don't know how Russia and the Orthodox Church works. I I would speculate the Orthodox Church is probably the official state religion of Russia. I'm not entirely sure. And that it's like the official church that would sanction Putin and declare that he is the head exorcist or whatever. I really don't know either, but I know that my parents, since they adopted a Ukrainian boy, they said that his mom was Eastern Orthodox, and I thought that that meant it was the Ukrainian religion as well, or, like, majority. I know she speaks Russian and is from Kharkiv, so. Your parents adopted a Ukrainian? Yeah, like, months before the war happened. Okay. Like, a few months before. Wild. Putin, when he invaded the neighboring country on February the 24th, used the term denazification, saying that his goal was the so, that the goal of the so-called military oper- special military operation was uh, good lord, they phrased that badly. Okay, so they he said that denazification was the goal of the so-called special military operation, but now his security council is shifting to the phrase desatanization. Wow. Alexei well, pa- I mean, isn't there enough proof that there's Nazis there that he didn't really have to shift? That's a little strange. Why is this just now being released? Like, haven't Russian forces been in Ukraine long enough? They could have figured this out by now. And it just seems strange that it's like, okay, almost a year in. We just found out there's a bunch of Satanists over there, too. I suspect that, you know, I, I, I don't know. But my guess would be, having, you know, watched world politics for a while now, the Russian government is losing control of the they're losing the propaganda war and people in Russia are beginning to turn against the war in Ukraine. That would be my guess. And that they're bringing this out now as a way of bringing the Russian people back on board with the war saying, look, you know, they're Satanists over there. We've got yeah. to do they're, they're Nazi Satanists over there. Maybe Nazi wasn't powerful enough. Maybe they have a bunch of Nazis in Russia. So they were like, OK, we got to get something even worse. And that makes a lot of sense. New manipulation tactic. I believe that with the continuation of the special military operation, it becomes more and more urgent to carry out the desatanization of Ukraine, said Pavlov, according to the state-run news news agency TASS. Using internet manipulation and psychotechnologies, the new regime turned Ukraine from a sovereign state to a totalitarian hypersect, said Pavlov, saying that evidently the Ukrainian government is also Satanist. The Russian politician added that in Ukraine, there are hundreds of sects sharpened for a specific goal and flock. Pavlov said he is particularly particularly concerned about the Church of Satan, which allegedly spread across Ukraine and is one of the official registered religions in the United States. He's not wrong on that note. I, yeah, I actually have seen this one symbol that a lot of people freak out about on some Ukrainians uh Outfits that soldiers wear that's like a black sun, and apparently that's like a Satanist symbol. Maybe you would know, Ari, I don't know. I, I, would, I would have to see the image. Oh. A, a, a black sun doesn't call to my, doesn't immediately come to mind as a Satanic symbol, but you know, I haven't seen exactly what it is they're referring to. So I think it's maybe. supposed to be a specific sect, and I just read this quickly on the internet. It's not like something I know for sure is fact. 
And there's all sorts of sects of Satanism. I mean, here in the United States, we don't just have the Church of Satan as one of the officially registered religions, which is true. We also have the Satanic Temple, which is yet another. And, of course, the Reformed Satanic Church, which refused to register with the United States government. And as the resident Satanist of Free Talk Live, I just want to say that Satanists... In order to stay true to the ideas that are represented in the seven tenets of Satanism, which despite regularly violating these tenets, the Church of Satan has actually, they still support them. It's it's that sort of hypocrisy that you expect to find in organized religions because the, the Church of Satan, for better or worse, it operates more like an organized version of Satanism than it should. However... The the idea of war is deplorable under the the seven tenets of Satanism. It's one's will, one's body is inviolable, subject to one's will alone. That's the I think it's the very first of the satanic tenets. And if someone kills you, they have violated your body and they, they, your bodily rights. Am I wrong that "Don't be stupid" is also one of them, or is that just Anton Lavey's? It's not one of the satanic tenets. Hmm. It's I mean, it's good advice, yeah. and it it is found. I don't want to say in the Satanic Bible because I, I, it's not. But there is something in there about don't be stupid, like sort of how you have the Ten Commandments in the Book of Exodus in the Bible, but then you have Leviticus was it or Deuteronomy, one of the two that was just like filled with four hundred uh, and something laws. Yeah, both of those have a whole bunch of laws that are like. Um, impossible to actually follow. Yeah, it's sort of like that, whereas you have the seven tenets of Satanism, which are would be the Ten Commandments, so to speak, and you have the expansions of those, which would be De- Deuteronomy and Leviticus, hmm. and that would be where you find don't be stupid and stuff like that. Okay. But, I mean, it's it's generally good advice that you find within the seven tenets of Satanism, and it's very libertarian when you read it, and you read it and you go, well, I don't know how there could possibly any, be any confusion. You cannot possibly support the state and the seven tenets simultaneously. But then you have the Church of Satan that act- actively does these things. and Sounds they, like it needed to be reformed. It did. It, it, it. And they sort of, they, they never recognize this or acknowledge this, just like you wouldn't expect your average Christian church to recognize their own hypocrisy and their, their own violations of their teachings, which they do regularly. We have Christians all throughout the United States that are pro-war. And I can't imagine anything more antithetical to the concept of Jesus Christ of Nazareth as war. Another part that makes Christians really crazy is just like, if you poke a poke apart any part of their bible like hey this might not be original because it wasn't in any of these texts until like hundreds of years after jesus died or whatever they automatically have these built-in answers that have been given to them and they'll be like well this is it it, because it has to be the inerrant word of god or god isn't powerful enough to let his bible not get messed up and they can't handle that my favorite one was a thought i had a few days ago where i realized that this idea of Caesar and Pilate and just the Jews and the the priests and all of these people arresting Jesus for basically being a traitor. That that was ultimately the charge against Jesus Christ is that he was a traitor to the Roman Empire. He wanted to become the king and of the Jews and all this other stuff, and that that made him a traitor. The idea that they would arrest him and kill him, but not his twelve co-conspirators is so laughably not the way the state would have done it. If this was a true story, all 12 of the disciples would also have been arrested, most of them killed on the spot, but all of them ultimately tortured and killed for being traitors. I don't know, because I could see it if they told them, like, either you uh, deny him or or you get crucified as well. I could kind of see that happening, because a lot of people would be like, okay, okay, I deny him, and... Like, that's supposedly the story. But well, Peter did deny him three times, but it wasn't because the Roman Empire said to said to him, hey, uh, are you with this guy or against him? When they, oh, yeah, when it was they, like people on the street. Yeah, when they came to arrest Jesus, they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they were all together there in their little co-conspiracy. Like, like there's the Crypto Six over there, guys. They're hanging out there in that meeting or whatever. And of course, that never happened with the Crypto Six, but in the story of Jesus, you did have Jesus and these 12 disciples hanging out talking about conspiratorial things. And the Romans came in and arrested Jesus, but none of the other 12? Hmm. That that doesn't mesh with any of my understanding of how kings and emperors have operated throughout the eons. They would have arrested all 12 of them, and they would have killed all 12 of them. 
Jesus would have just been the main one they killed and that they paraded about. Hey, here's your king, guys. But you know, that's, that's his own matter. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Don't worry to our trolls over there on YouTube. We're, we're going to talk about Ian's trial when it's ongoing. It's stupid to suggest that we're not. That's what they're freaking out about tonight. That's weird. Yeah, I, I, what the, They're weird, right? That's all they have to do. This is their life. They live for this. This is their job. Yeah, Ian may not be able to like talk freely about it, maybe, but that doesn't mean the other hosts who aren't under any federal indictments won't be able to. Yeah, plenty of people will be talking about it. And, it's not something that has been right. tried to be hot, hidden on Free Talk Live. Yeah, we won't be able to cover it live. For obvious reasons, but I mean, I'm sure there'll be a daily recap of things that happened during the trial and stuff like that. It's it's silly to suggest otherwise. And the fact that there are people literally like wanting this information and they're part of the public and it can't be televised is really messed up. Well, we looked into this, uh, this idea of televising trials, and I kind of have to agree with the overall consensus that if you televise a trial you are pretty much ensuring that the defendants are not going to get a fair trial. I don't remember all of the reasoning that I read then, but there were a lot of pros, a lot of reasons for it, a lot of reasons to be against it. And overwhelmingly, judges had decided that it wasn't a matter of preventing the public from knowing anything. It was just, it made people look guilty to have the cameras pointed at them and to have the spotlight put on them to that degree or something to that effect. And it made juries predisposed to think that the person was guilty. I don't recall all of the reasoning, but well, it seems solid enough to me to, to just not be worth the risk. I didn't even necessarily mean televised, televised, but recorded at all. What? <laughs> like there can't be like someone's friend in the in the pews yeah. recording. What screwed up is that they are recorded, but uh, only and the court not gets, for you. Yeah, only the court gets to have those records, right? Uh, if if you want an actual record of it, you have to rely on what the stenographer has typed out and. I'm curious about how stenographers work because I type really, really quickly, somewhere around the lines of between 90 and 110 words per minute, depending on how out of practice I am. But there's no way I can keep up with a person's speech. If there was an evil entity that was trying to control the world, including us, the Western people. Wait, are you talking about the government? Well, yes, there's obviously a government, but if there was a dictatorship of the Western elites directed against all societies, including the peoples of the Western countries themselves, I would want there to be some heroic figure on the outside that was working to liberate us from that dictatorship of the Western elites. I just don't know if that's Putin. It's not Putin. (laughs) There's no doubt it's not Putin. But... The idea is sound, right? And I understand why he would want to paint himself that way, especially to an ultra-divisive America where there are plenty of people who are convinced that the the Western elites, the, the college elites, that's the only mistake Putin is really making here is that he's like, hey, those those college liberal elites you have over there that are corrupting your kids – I stand against them. If he if he were to do that, he would probably have the conservatives ready to welcome a Russian invasion into the U.S. with open arms. Oh, my God. If he called them groomers, yeah. it'd be all over. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah these, that's their like, favorite word, right? These so liberal I... college groomers that you have over here, Russia stands against them. Russia's making homosexuality illegal, and this is what you're allowing. We will liberate you from this. I, I think it would be a strong message for conservatives, and I think they would like it a lot more than they're willing to admit. Well, Russia's uh, pretty big. They could just go there they, if they, they love that <laughs> so much. They could, but they won't do that, of course. <laughs> This is a complete denial of humanity, the overthrow of faith and traditional values. Indeed, the suppression of freedom itself has taken on the features of a religion, outright Satanism. That's an interesting statement that I really wish I had more time to evaluate. It's shocking coming from a government. The suppression suppression of freedoms that has taken on a systematic uh, design, almost like a religion. Okay, you too, Putin. Yeah, right. (laughs) I also want to know his definition of Satanism. Like, what does that mean to him? What is Satanism? U.S. COVID violation scores is what you've brought in. And this is, I'm surprised we didn't see more of this, right? With institutions and governments. Tracking, whatever they're calling it. Yeah. So is this our report tracing? Well, I I don't I wish I I wish that they were assigning report cards for this because I'd like to see how New Hampshire did and how Mm. Mississippi did and how Texas did and how California did. But really, 
there would they won't do a report card because that would reveal that there's no correlation be, between the number of sick and the number of dead and the number of COVID-19 violations or pandemic restriction or government restriction violations. There would be no correlation whatsoever. And let me tell you, if they call my mom into a parent-teacher conference for my COVID report card, <laughs> they will not like what she has to say because she is on my side. So just throwing that out there. Well, this one was apparently tracking U.S. citizens in secret, so they probably wouldn't want to send out scores. This from Zero Hedge. Were U.S. citizens tracked via secret COVID decree violation scores? Tens of millions of U.S. citizens were given a COVID-19 decree violation score as a result of a data harvesting program conducted during the first lockdown by voter analytics from PredictWise. What, there, there were multiple lockdowns? In but, the U.S., I mean, well, here in New Hampshire, there was only like the one, and it was really brief. Well, yeah, in other places, they kind of locked down, lightened up, locked down again, but they were really always locked down. Yeah, they okay. never fully. Yeah, I've never heard it called that the first lockdown until just now. Well, that New Hampshire handled it in a very weird way. There was the there was the lockdown where they closed everything and all of the restaurants that couldn't have indoor seating, and that lasted for about three weeks, I think. It didn't did not last very long and then they opened up the indoor seating but only at reduced capacity or something like that and then a few weeks later they it was just all together lifted and then they were gonna have people give their phone numbers and names every time they came into a restaurant that was so weird i forgot about that until just now Uh, they they did attempt that well everybody was just like giving fake names yeah no one did it yeah i didn't i i exclusive almost exclusively eat out and i never had a single restaurant ask me for my name and phone number i never give my real phone number like even when i go to visit my grandma in the nursing home my phone number is zero 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 i'll have you know that i was a hero I, i i was an essential worker i was keeping america safe how dare they say that I was violating COVID restrictions when I was risking my life out there serving people food. Tragic. I was a hero. You were rewarded with getting to tell people that they had to wear a mask. I didn't do that. Some people did. I wasn't going to do that crap. I mean, mean, there were plenty of people who did, but like, I would just ignore it and pretend like I didn't notice because it wasn't worth it to me. Obviously, I'm being facetious. I was not a hero. All I did was, you know, do a job during the pandemic, which if you looked around, you would not have noticed there was a pandemic at all if it wasn't for the government lockdowns. That that was the only clue any of us had in our day to day lives that there was a pandemic at all. As far as people being sick or anything like that, we, we never saw it. I mean, I saw a little bit of it when I was in the nursing home, but it was, it seemed very, it didn't seem very genuine. You know what I mean? Like, it seemed like these people were poisoned. Well, weren't they being given remdesivir in your nursing home? Yeah, well, and they were fine. Everything was fine. And then the state came in and they were like, oh no, we can't keep people in their same rooms. Because what we were going to do is just, you know, if if somebody got COVID, isolate them in their room. Don't move them around. Just isolate them in the room they're already in. Hmm. Makes sense. No. They had to be moved all around the facility. Uh, Red zones, green zones, yellow zones, all of these weird things that might sound like they make (laughs) sense on paper. But if you actually work in healthcare or, you know, in any sort of industry, like actually on the floor and you had any common sense, you would know that that's not going to work and that it makes no sense. Uh, And it gave everyone COVID. At least yours made sense on paper, man. The nonsense that we were seeing was stuff like you had to wear a mask if you were moving from one table to the other or if you were going to the bathroom from your table. But once you entered or if you were sitting at the bar or if you were sitting at the table, then you did not have to wear a mask. Even if you were sitting right there beside the well, like where the line of people came up to get their drinks. You didn't have to wear a mask. All of those people did. But because you were to see COVID only attacked people who were standing up. Hmm. Well, and it's just for looks, right? (laughs) Like none of no one actually cared. It was just like, well, you know, we kind of have to abide by these government regulations. So our businesses don't get shut down. Right. And this is is the way we're going to pretend that we are doing something that we care. You know, we're going to wipe the tables down a little bit extra. 
So More bleach. Is that all they did? They tracked people's GPS locations here? Because I understand why that would seem reliable, but you have people like Nikki who are like literally working as nurses that you know, not out there violating COVID violations. Just... And I'm crossing state borders. Now's a good time to look back on 2020 and 2021 and just evaluate how things went. I mean, it's a good time to do that. Now that the pandemic is over, even Joe Biden has said that the pandemic is over. It seems like it's a good time to look back and evaluate what actually happened, what worked, what didn't work, and to try to learn something so that we can apply it going forward and not repeat the same mistakes. Now, that's beyond the possibility of human beings. (laughs) We don't learn from our past. We don't evaluate our actions and go, well, that worked and that didn't work. Well, at least like public school educated Americans. True. Hey, that's me. Me too. Yeah, same. (laughs) But the average American doesn't ever break out of that particular mold. Now, obviously, people have done this. I think it was Tom Woods who evaluated all the data of this place locked down, this place didn't lock down, and... Here's their COVID death numbers. Here there's infection numbers. And he basically what he revealed was that it was just a scatter shot. Mm-hmm. There was no correlation whatsoever between places locking down and reducing the rates of COVID transmission or reducing COVID deaths. Like it would even show like he, here, look, it, you can see that there was like it was climbing and that suddenly uh, shot down. Do you, what, do you think that that's when they put in a mandate? And nope, it was just a random thing that happened. It it literally didn't correlate at all. So he didn't like prove that masks made it worse. It just didn't do anything. Which is more or less what I would have expected, right? Yeah. Uh, the, it, the idea is solid, right? If if there's a pandemic that's being you know spread by respiratory diseases, then it would make sense to wear cloth face coverings to prevent those particles from being dropped out. How- yeah, except for the fact that the COVID particles can literally go through the masks that people were wearing. Yeah, but a person's spit particles can't. And that that was the idea behind it is that it would catch most of it. Not all of it, certainly, but it would catch a lot of it. And that would drastically reduce the rates of transmission. The big problem with the masks was that people could not stop touching them. Oh, yeah. I see it all the time still. Yeah, and it's, it's a petri, di- petri dish that is strapped to your face. That you're breathing, that you're keeping at human body temperature, the ideal breeding temperature for viruses and bacteria. And I think that's the worst part. The fact that it was causing extra things to happen like, oh, I didn't get COVID, but I got strep in June of 2020. I will never forget being seated at the bar hearing hearing Keen. Well, I wasn't seated at the bar. I was seated at a table with a friend of mine. And these two dudes came up to us and just kept every time they spoke they reached up and touched down their mask and then they they brought us some shots of alcohol with with those same hands that they basically just licked all their fingers on (laughs) and that's a good point that's really what they were doing because they're breathing their their hot sweaty breath directly into this thing and they're constantly reaching up and touching and then they're touching my drink dude you might as well have just spit in my in my drink yeah. Oh, one thing that made me stop wanting to eat out as much, except in places like the Funky Noodle, where she wasn't having her uh, cooks wear masks, is just I was picking up an Uber Eats order from Cheshire Village Pizza, and they had to wear masks. But anytime they talked to each other, I was watching them grab their mask down and put it down, then continue making pizzas. That's disgusting. Ah, that is disgusting. That's why I just take it off. Yeah, but you know, we were the crazy be, ones for taking it know, off. It'll be like on my desk at work. Yeah. <laughs> collecting collecting particles, collecting dust and bacteria. And then when I have to put it back on, put my dirty, <laughs> dirty bacteria mask back over my mouth. But see, the insanity of it all was that we were considered the bad ones for saying, hey, will you stop spitting in my drink and just take that cloth off of your face and behave like a normal human being? Listen, if you're going <laughs> to spit in my drink, at least, you know... Buy me dinner first. Right. We were the weird ones for saying that. Well, they weren't weird at all for licking their fingers and stirring our drinks with it. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's effectively what was happening. And we were being treated like we were pariahs, like we were evil, like we were trying to kill people's grandmas because we were behaving with a little bit of common sense. And at some point, you got to think, aren't we due an apology from these people? I, all of the people I know, they all lived. In spite of them trying to tell me I had to wear a mask, I had to social distance, I had to stay at home, I had to get vaccinated, none of that crap did I do. We have Greg on the line from New York. Greg, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, 
Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's on your mind uh, tonight? Governments, they are failing the people by, oh, I don't know, little things like destroying the world with nuclear weapons, like things like this. I um, have not seen so, the world yet be destroyed with nuclear weapons. Well, you know, taunting it. Yeah, well, you haven't seen it yet, but I would wager that after you have seen it, you might not exist to see it, or you would not be very... No, human civilization will not really be around so much after that. So, I guess... Uh, uh, owner, on what grounds yeah. do you make this assertion that the governments around the world are going to destroy the world with nuclear weapons? I mean, I know they like threatening it, but like... You know, they they have their own. The number one goal of the state is to perpetuate its own existence. And the state, regardless of whether we're talking about the Russian state or the American state, they know that engaging in nuclear war undermines and threatens its own existence. It would be an act of self-destruction. But you know how, like, people with an allergy, their body attacks itself because it's just the failure mode of the body. It could kill itself. Like, the peanut allergy could kill a person. Even though its body, in its own interest, rationally, was just not react to the penis. But it does. So similarly, I think there are ways in which the state uh, could continue. And I think one of the stupid reasons to continue is to avoid, quote, humiliation or a humiliating defeat where the public would then see the leaders as having failed. Mm. Yeah. I think a lot of wars continued because they just don't want to admit that, like they could just leave. Well, certainly. I mean, World up. War One is the best example of that we'll ever see in human history. I mean, it should have been clear to everyone by 1913 that nothing was going to be gained by that war. Afghanistan. Then, even, even if anything was going to be gained by that war, it could not possibly be worth the cost that it was going to take to gain it. And that was obvious by 1913, but the war went on for years afterward. That's what's weird. And some people are saying that these politicians have bunkers that only they'll be able to use. And somehow probably think that. Yeah. But even if you do have bunkers, I mean, what kind of, what kind of life? Yeah. You're not going to catch that Netflix show that you like a lot next season. I'll just read. Uh, first of all, the words of Kennedy. And this is what he, his takeaway was. He said, above all, while defending our vital interests, nuclear powers must avert those confrontations which bring an adversary to a choice of either a humiliating retreat or a nuclear war. To adopt that kind of course in the nuclear age would be evidence only of the bankruptcy of our policy or of a collective death wish for the world. So Kennedy here is saying that it would be super stupid to have only two choices for a country, to leave them humiliating retreats or nuclear war. But that is exactly what people in the United States, like in the power levels, except maybe Tulsi Gabbard and others, they're insisting. I mean, that, that's dude, that's, that's nonsense. That, that's a terrible quote from Kennedy, first of all. And Kennedy was wrong by saying that. If you go into a fight, then your only option, if you're going to be hum- humiliated if you lose that fight from the beginning. It doesn't matter if we're talking about a boxing match or six-year-olds doing karate with one another or Russia fighting Ukraine. Anyone, The loser is always, by definition, going to be humiliated. That's just the nature of conflict. To suggest that, oh, well, we have to let them win, otherwise they're going to nuke us. That, that's no, silly on the face of it. That's the fun, that's fundamentally normally, not how conflict even works. Normally, you don't let them win. What happens is, for example, you, p- you push for a peace process like other countries have had. Uh, even in Yemen, uh, Saudi coalition and Houthis have a- been able to make armistice agreements. You could also, uh, besides diplomacy, you could give an off-ramp and face-saving measures like they used to talk about. But I'm saying now the rhetoric is only either... Russia has a humiliating retreat, or that, or there's no other option. So, it is true that the, uh, the Democrats, the um, well, what they call themselves, the I, I forget, they call them the Liberal Democrat Party or something like that in uh, Washington. They put forward a um, letter saying, "Hey, there should be peace talks, and uh, Biden shouldn't be pushing this and all this stuff." And then the next day, they got. They had to apologize for saying, oh, my gosh, they said that there should be peace talks. That's somehow not acceptable to people in the United States right now. It's just weird.
Yeah, well, the United States has always been a warmongering nation, and I, I think that a lot of Americans just have failed to notice that. But the United States has pretty much been at war since the time it was founded. Did you or someone you love work, live, or serve at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988? If you or someone you know lived, served, or worked at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988 and has cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, they are entitled to compensation. To see if they are eligible, they need to call Liberty Legal. Contaminants in the drinking water have led to these serious diseases and legislation is now available for for veterans and family members who may qualify for financial help from the government. There may be a time deadline, so don't wait. Call 888-918-1037. Anyone that has lived, worked, or served at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1988 and has had cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, the money is already set aside. 888-918-1037. 888-918-1037. When you think about the worst, dumbest, most pointless, most senseless, violent, destructive conflicts in human history, there aren't many that are as stupid as World War One. I. I don't even know what it was about, honestly. I know something about Archduke That's because Ferdinand. it was completely stupid. Some dude yeah. got assassinated, hmm. and everyone called in their treaties and their alliances, and you would think that the world would learn from this, oh, we shouldn't be tra- signing these treaties with these random little European countries, but no, they didn't stop doing that. So this dude got assassinated and people called in their tree. One little nation declared war on another little nation. A little, little tiny. Yeah. 40, Let them settle yeah. it themselves. Duke like it out. You a know? few Parking hundred lot. thousand people in these nations declared war on each other, but they had treaties with bigger nations, including Germany and Italy and the United Kingdom and and Spain and Russia and the United States. And because of this nonsense, they all ended up at war with one another. So like Asia wasn't really involved. Russia was involved, but I I don't know to what extent it wasn't as world encompassing as world war two was. And I have to just say world war two is slightly less stupid in that it was much more clearly just a war of German expansionism. And it was a result of world war one, but World War One, it didn't even have that going for it. It was just a stupid, pointless exercise in the destruction of human life and mm, yeah. the world. Like, the trench foot people got after World War One <laughs> was not worth it. I like watching war, war documentaries because I'm a libertarian and libertarians like watching world war documentaries for some reason. I don't know why, but... Not this one. Well, I mean, I find it fascinating, but for entirely different reasons. World War Two is fascinating because it... Even though it was a horrific thing and there were no good guys, it does still, the Nazis were so evil that it still has this element of good overcoming evil to it. So I, I can still watch them like, yeah, good overcame evil, even though it's just a slightly better good and against a slightly worse evil, it's still good overcoming evil. World War One doesn't have that. No, it's just an exercise. Everyone's a loser. Yeah, it's just stupid from beginning to end, and it's a horrific conflict for completely different reasons. As Nikki, as Nikki pointed out, the trenches, first and foremost, I can't imagine anything worse than being stuck in one of these trenches. Inhumane. Major Payne, you're on Free Talk Live. I wanted to throw my governor under the bus, but let's touch on the World War One real quick. Sure. The thing, the thing that held all of them together wasn't so much trees as they were all uh, nobles, kings, queens, and they'd been intermarrying since we came out of the Dark Ages in the 1300s. So there was five generations of, well, I will give you my daughter, and therefore we will have peace. Inbreeding? You know, so, well, of course there was a lot of that. I mean, when you got... Ten different clans breeding for 500 years. Of course, you're going to have some beagles that bark out the wrong end. I don't that know that still the- goes on. I was watching a YouTube video. I mean, a whole bunch by this account that just traces family uh, trees. And all of the English people are inbred. Even Meghan Markle is like a 13th cousin or 15th cousin to her husband. And she's from America. It's weird. This is yeah. I was about to say this is why I'm an American because we have the melting pot. But I guess I don't even get that. I mean, yeah, the genes are. I mean, I think that people need to interbreed with different races to be stronger and not um, look like the the royalty in England. 
Well, I don't know about different races, but you at least got to cross like the second cousin generation. <laughs> at the very my, my, least. My, my, my grandmother was 100% Welch. Okay? She came from Wales. And uh, she lived, and all the old birds on her side of the family lived well into their 90s. Some of them, they were just genuinely obese. And I couldn't understand how in the hell they made it that long. But mm. it's, you know, you, you can't. When a good gene pool will provide for itself, I guess would be the moral of that story. I guess but, so, uh, but that's not. But though Gov- Governor Whitmer, that's your governor, throw her under the bus because I saw today that more people have been convicted in the Whitmer kidnapping plot. Also, to your mm-hmm. point about the princes and kings and queens, that's something I'd never really thought about. So, thanks for pointing that out. But what's going on with your governor over there? Oh yeah, well she uh, she got destroyed in this uh, debate last night with uh, Tudor Dixon. And uh, she was blatantly caught in at least two lies that I just heard little snippets of. One was uh, she said she only shut the schools down for three months. Hell, she shut shut the seed aisle down in Walmart longer than that. Hmm. And uh, well, politicians lie, as you know. What, what what was the other lie she got stone cold caught in? Oh, you remember the governor of New York that was sending the uh, sick people. To the nursing homes, and thereby providing more uh, more body bag fillers. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, he got busted. If he'd sent five hundred patients, he'd send a thousand body bags along with the five hundred patients. Well, our great governor Gretchen the Great. I like to think she's maybe the daughter of the great Genghis Khan. Lord knows we got a lot of cons in the in the houses, <laughs> but um, so uh, yeah, she kept this procedure up longer than he did and she pulled her own mother out of the nursing home before wow. she started chuck you're on free talk live well um i just wanted to say real quick that uh every time i see the eu flag i think of world war one i'll just say that um every time i see a piece of uh, a euro for example i think of world war one but uh can you elaborate why that is well i just think of that's the the whole way of trying to keep this false sense of unity that's obviously breaking up right in front of our very eyes. I think that's probably why you all see that kind of uh, dynamic unfolding right now, too, with the emergence of nationalism in Hungary and different places, you know. Sure. I have to say, though, as much as I hate uh, nation states and as much as I hate federal governments and the European Union, for all intents and purposes, is a federal government, as much as I hate them, the European Union is better than the alternative if the alternative is World War One. Well, and that's why I'm thinking it, it could be just this false sense of security. Every time I see that flag, I think how how much uh, could we go back to uh, that kind of dynamic where we're having uh, on the brink of World War Three. I think that's where why we're at right now, though. Huh? Why can't people just peacefully break up? Why can't they just ever do that in the all of history because i know even like, like relationships it's <laughs> like you can't just break up with your boyfriend you have to throw all of his stuff I mean, in the yard you know he's set on fire it's possible <laughs> yeah. but it requires a level of maturity that maturity that most people just aren't at i used to be married and i did the divorce paperwork myself and my ex-wife and i we signed it and we filed it and that, that was it neither one of us burned the other stuff or really you had poor other... maple syrup all over her clothes no there was, or... there was none of that it was oh. to clean the toilet that sort of thing. No, not. I don't know. She may have done that with mine, but uh, I, did, I certainly didn't do it with hers. And there was no reason. There's no reason for that kind yeah. of stuff. I've been in lots of relationships. The only ones that ever ended in horrific stuff like that was because the girl was crazy. These things happen. Yeah, girls are crazy. I know. Well, I mean, people are crazy, to be honest. <laughs> so, and that's why, to come back to the point of, you, know, you, that's why we can't just peacefully declare independence from the federal government. It's not because girls are crazy or men are crazy, because people in general are crazy. What do you think on the table for the um, Ukraine-Russia negotiations? What, are, uh, what pieces of important policy do you see, um, for example, can we have a guarantee that the Russian Federation can have troops in Crimea after a Russian withdrawal? I, I don't think that the, the whole standing of these three separate uh, countries that Russia wants to take part of in the eastern part of Ukraine and the Donbass and so on and so forth are, 
I, I don't see that standing. So I was curious to know, you know, if we're looking at two or three years down the road, how does this all look? We started to talk about negotiations and what kind of pieces of bargaining, what bargaining chips are on the table right now as far as negotiations. I, I so, wish I could give you a, a better answer than I could give. I mean, uh, an expert in Middle, um, not Middle East, in, in Eastern Ukraine and Russian relations would be much more qualified to answer this thing. I don't think that the the West, and I'm lumping Ukraine in with the West because for all intents and purposes, it's allied with the West. It's, it's a puppet nation of the West at this point. For all intents and purposes, Ukraine isn't going to back down. Russia, from what I can tell, is not going to back down. I don't think it's going to lead to nuclear war. I think it's most likely going to just lead to a perpetual stalemate. Similar to what we've seen, in matter of fact, speaking of World War I, similar to what we saw then. Only now it's not trenches, it's just an un- unmoving front between Russia and Ukraine where they're periodically throwing missile, launching missiles at each other. Renee, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I just want to talk about sometimes, the, you know, uh, no matter how hard you try, the variety of jobs you go to, people are, like, sadistic and nasty, you know? Uh, Can you give some examples? Right now I've got a truck driving job, and uh, I, I didn't exactly do it on time. I was training another driver, and uh, my car had been broke down. That's why I talk about that uh, obsolescence thing because I'm upset about my, I mean my truck. So the uh, the boss, because he got a different boss, he, he he helped me go to work this morning. Just drove off and left me there. Good so lord! I'm back home, maybe like fifteen miles, and I'm not gonna go over to work tomorrow. Be sick on purpose. Well, I mean, it and sounds now, like you're gonna be tired. Yeah, so, but I mean, so let me I make sure I understand this. Your boss brought you to work today, and yeah. the job that your boss asked you to do. Took longer than your boss expected, and yeah, by the so time you were done, and by the time you were done, your boss had already left and gone home, leaving you there to walk home. No, no, no. He seen me in the yard, post tripping the trash truck and showing the new driver, which delayed me like an hour or so. How to post uh, check the trash truck, the all the tires and stuff, and got mad and left because he's under stress. I mean, it uh. I want to go to school. I want to go to college. I'm waiting for some kind of disability. I, I work offshore on crew boats, supply boat and anchor boats. It's kind of the same mentality. It's just, I mean, it's better than the McDonald's grade point average, but no matter how you try, the workplace is just toxic and nasty, no matter who you work for. My father ended up working for one of these guys. Well, my father's version of the events had him being the victim. I, I sincerely doubt that was really how things went. But according to my father, he was taken to Jefferson City, Missouri to work on some project with this guy. And they got into an argument. The guy just left him there. So I had to end up traveling from Mississippi to Jefferson City, Missouri to pick my father up and bring him back to Mississippi, which wasn't a huge ordeal, about 24-hour round trip. But it was a giant pain and not something I would have done ordinarily. And he made it out to be basically what Renee had said. I believe Renee's recounting of events, not so much my father's, but there are some bad employers out there who do things to screw over employees, including shorting their paychecks and, you know, lying about their tips. I just don't think it's like the most common. It's more common than people who are pretty decent if you do a good job. I mean, like, how are they going to hold on to employees? I don't know. I mean, with the way that employers have been throughout the last, you know, most of my life, they didn't have to hang on to employees because if, if you got tired of them and they fired you or you quit, they could just hire one of the other 50,000 people who were looking for a job. And there's ranks to it, right? So like you have higher management, which on average typically sucks. It seems like they really only care about themselves and making money and, you know, maybe even the organization as a whole and I've seen, you know, working in my field, I've seen people get thrown under the bus to save higher management and to save, like, the name of the company. That's but then you me. have, like, lower levels, like supervisors and then just general staff who will be in extremely kind, caring, compassionate, great people to work for. So that's kind of sometimes what makes it worth it to work for these terrible companies you know it's like well the company might not be great and i might not agree with some of 
their politics or, or how they're running this company, but it's kind of, you know, you have to pick yeah. the best out of all of the options, right? Like I would rather work for someone who, cause I'm working directly with, you know, the employees that I'm working with, right? Like I'm working directly with the nursing staff. So I would rather have a solid nursing staff that is well-trained, they're knowledgeable, they're helpful, they're kind, they're compassionate, and have, you know, a crappy upper management. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes. Um, so most people that I talk to... Um, Who do you talk to, Sarah? Ask me. Us. Do you talk to yeah, anyone besides us? Well, I mean, I talk to people at the market about, um, you know, my my network marketing business. What is the market? They, you mean like Walmart? No, I'm at the farmer's market. And they're okay. always asking me how and why does a yam powder help with diabetes? I don't believe That's for a question. moment, Sarah, that anyone has ever gone up to you and asked you how yam powder helps with diabetes. I don't believe how you. You, you are why? lying to me. No, I, 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 I say that there's two products that, one of them has the yam powder in it. So that's one of the things that help with diabetes. And they're always asking me, well, how and why does these natural ingredients help with diabetes? <laughs> Sarah, I can't with you tonight. Thank you so much for the Why call. would that God, possibly help with diabetes? Like, isn't yam I, really sweet? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't man. know. I, it might. I think I've heard of I this I can't before. keep her around to find out because it... Either way, why wouldn't you just eat a yam if yam powder helps with diabetes? Why wouldn't you just eat a yam instead of buying powder from Sarah made of yam. It, it just started to sound like she was reading from the script. How, it did. How does this all-natural ingredient help with my diabetes? People Please ask me, tell me more. all the time <laughs> right. how uh, I make my hair so beautiful with this shampoo. Yeah, Sarah, uh, they... Well, if she's I, I interested, uh, she could probably get one of her ads read on the show. <laughs> I don't think she could. No. <laughs> These people openly admitted to creating propaganda and spewing it out there, knowing it was false. The ghost of Kiev is the best example that I can think of. I mean, this was just a this was a myth. It was completely fabricated, the existence of this person, and they knew it and they continued perpetuating it because it was good for the national image or it's good propaganda, basically, and people loved it and it was successful. And even if people knew it was fake in their hearts, they continued spreading it and the media spread it. And That's Z- mental illness. Zelensky's being heralded as the savior of democracy who's defending Ukraine and the brave people of Ukraine against Putin. And then there's Nazis in Ukraine that are fighting with the Ukrainian army. And it's and he like blocks a political party. So he obviously doesn't care about democracy. Yeah. And it, he blocks Russia today from being held from being viewed or watched in Ukraine. It's just. None of these people are good guys. They all seem to be liars. And the truth is, I don't remember who said it, the first casualty of war, the truth is, was butchered in this conflict and to the extent that you can't know what is truth and what isn't. To the extent that I can honestly say with a straight face that I've seen no evidence there's even a war going on in Ukraine. They could be fabricating it from beginning to end in order to justify some kind of insane power grab over us because COVID-19 wasn't enough of a justification for them. I don't know. And I can't, the only reason I'm at that point of skepticism where I can say that with a straight face is because they've been lying about everything else since. And now they're saying, you know, just a few weeks ago, we were talking about how Russia, uh, European officials were like, look, guys, we got a rough winter ahead. Things are bad. We've got people with 20 times their electricity bills because they run on natural gas. And A guy called in like a week ago to me and Ian on Monday from France saying that it's really, really bad. And, and now I have this article saying, you know, for months, officials have warned of an energy crisis this winter as Russia, once the region's biggest supplier of natural gra- gas, slashed supplies in retaliation for sanctions Europe imposed over its invasion of Ukraine. All of that's true. But now, European Union gas storage facilities are close to full. Tankers carrying liquefied natural gas are lining up at ports, unable to unload their cargoes, and prices are tumbling. Doesn't add up. It doesn't. It sounds like a complete and total fabrication. I mean, how? Do they go into how this could have possibly (laughs) happened? Because to me... It seems like it would be impossible. A big thing would have had to change in 
like a yeah. week from but last in, time I heard an update. And clearly Russia is still, you know, cut them off. So they're nope. not getting anything from Russia. And so. if they're getting it from China, they're getting it really expensive. So no, the price of natural gas isn't zero for them or whatever. On Monday, Dutch gas spot prices for delivery within an hour, which reflect real-time European market conditions. So in Dutch, wherever Dutch is not the name of the country. Netherlands? Dan- is that it? The Netherlands? Oh, wait, yes. Denmark. I don't know where the Dutch are from, and it's not really important, but wherever the Dutch are from, <laughs> they can order gas and get it delivered within an hour. And the price of that dipped below zero euros, according to data from the Intercontinental Exchange, which means presumably for some period of time, someone in this Dutch country, Holland, Holland is what it is, isn't it? I assume Nikki's over there looking good. I think that is Netherlands and Holland is like what it used to be called. At any rate, yeah, Netherlands. This means that so, thank you. This means that someone in the Netherlands could or could have ordered gas and they would have gotten it for free. That 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 doesn't even begin to make sense. When like a week before it was like way more expensive than it and ever unavailable had been. because yeah. they just couldn't get it. Prices mm-hmm. turned negative because of an oversupplied grid, said head of gas analytics at the Independent Commodity Intelligence Services. It is a hugely surprising turn of events for Europe where household and businesses have been clobbered by eye-watering rises in the price of one of its most important energy sources over the last year. But does it say why? No, it doesn't. Despite the recent slump at around 100 euros per megawatt hour, European natural gas futures are still blah, blah, blah. They go into some boring numbers here, and presumably they're saying that there are going to be higher oil prices next year. Even though they're down right now, I don't know what it is they're trying to say or what it is they're trying to convince people of, but I just, I can't buy it. They say the European Union has now built substantial buffers against any further supply cuts. But how? How did they do this? Because they didn't have these buffers in the first place. That's why Russia cutting its supply to 10% or 25% or whatever it was crippled them so much in the first place. And I don't believe that it's possible to have these buffers. It it would be if they have, weren't dealing with getting only 10% of what they needed. Why wouldn't they start giving it out as soon as it started getting really hard for their people instead of... Well, they didn't have the buffer then. Oh. That, that's exactly... They, they didn't have any put away. Like, the U.S. has the emergency oil reserves or whatever oh. for, for exactly this sort of purpose, in theory. See, that's what I thought you meant by the buffer. Well, that's what they're supposed to have, but Europe didn't have one of those. And if they did, they exhausted it already. But now they're mm. saying they do have one again, and... How do you not only get back to normal, but then get a buffer? That's exactly during the question. hard times. Yeah, and, and they did it while getting ten percent of the oil supply that they were supposed to be getting, and somehow these tankers that probably didn't even exist. Where did they find these tankers to deliver this massive quantity of liquid gas? Well, you know what really happened? People in Europe must have been very nervous about being freezing all winter because they're going to have no natural gas to heat their house or do anything with. So people were going to start riding the streets probably because that's a big deal when you live in a cold climate. So they had to make up a bunch of fake lie propaganda to subdue people for a little bit longer. Rudy, you're on Free Talk Live. Good evening, everybody. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, A couple things about uh, Ukraine. Uh, First of all, uh, earlier in the show, you had somebody talking about nuclear war and all that, you know, and whatever was going on in Ukraine and Russia, this, that. Yeah, he was fear-mongering. Uh, yeah, last night on, uh, I think it was BBC World Service, I heard a report about, did you notice how like uh, a week ago or so that, that Russia talked about Ukraine was going to be using a dirty bomb? You remember when that, that first report came out? I, what, what is a dirty bomb? Dirty bomb? That, that's uh, nuclear material it's, it's, that's deadly, and you take a, a conventional explosive, like a big bomb, and you blow it up, and it spreads the... The nuclear fallout all over, and it it uh, it can devastate a, a okay. an area. So it's basically a nuclear bomb, but without the actual nuclear detonation. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. And you can you and and uh, like I say uh, about a week ago, Russia claimed that Ukraine was going to be doing that. Ukraine basically said, "Look, if, if Russia's saying that, they play they plan on doing it." Well, about ten days ago, you know, there's the uh, largest nuclear power plant in in uh, Europe, in Ukraine, uh, and the Russians have control of it, but the Ukrainians run it. Uh, well, uh, about 10 days ago, they, the Russians blocked off a part of the, of the plant, uh, and no one can get in there, not the uh, European 
nuclear regulatory commission people and no one that works at the plant. And there's a bunch of construction going on in there. And that's the place where the, where the plant uh, stores its used nuclear fuel in, in pools of water. Sure. So basically, yeah. Maybe they're doing maintenance. I mean, there's not a lot they can do with used, no. discarded nuclear material that's just cooling off in water. Uh, there's a lot of fear-mongering and misunderstanding around nuclear uh, physical material. It's not physical. Not fusi- it appears as though Russia is, is, is getting ready to set up a, new, uh, a dirty bomb. No, that's, 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 well, we don't know that. It could be a theory, but it doesn't mean you know it. There's a huge difference between uranium that is fit for a nuclear facility, a nuclear power plant, and uranium that is fit for a nuclear bomb. These are two drastically different things. In order to make a nuclear bomb, you need much purer, much higher quantities of uranium than you're going to need for a nuclear power plant. This is why the Iranian government, if you'll think back to Netanyahu in Israel and the uh, Biden, not the, the Obama administration, allowing net, uh, Iran to have a nuclear power plants. It's enshrined in the European, not the in the United Nations thing that a nation has the right to do peaceful nuclear energy, mm. and it's because you can have peaceful nuclear energy without having nuclear bombs. All right, it's another edition of the Edgington Post Show. I am Mark Edge, and you are listening to Free Talk Live. I've got with me today Ricardo Kaufman. Ricardo, you are a filmmaker, and you visited New Hampshire not too long ago and did some recordings about the Crypto Six. The Crypto Six is a group of people who were arrested by the government for selling Bitcoin. And this is happening all over the United States. Um, no one is talking about it. And it's amazing. I mean, like, it's truly amazing. And we're here today to talk about your potential movie with the and your very real trailer. First, where can people go to see this trailer? Where you guys can go uh, check out the, the trailer and more information is at www.balletofthecrypto6, six with a number, dot com. That's ballad, yeah. as in a song, balladofthecrypto6.com. Six is a numeral. Yes, exactly. And yeah. it's uh, it's great. It's it's about 10 minutes long. It's well worth the view. And I, I would ask everyone to go, please, uh, go take a look at balladofthecrypto6.com in order to find uh, this, uh, this trailer. So we've been trying to... Get the movie made. You've got a bunch of um, audio and video, and you've been following the Crypto Six. And at this point, the Crypto Six, uh, five of whom have taken plea deals. And it's kind of sad, but, you know, it makes perfect sense. The fact is, is that the government, whether it's the United States or your state government or whatever it is, it doesn't want to go through a costly trial where it could potentially lose they much rather just give a deal and shove somebody in a cage. Now, in the case of the Crypto Six, nobody's going to a cage. I'm Well, at least at this point, none of the five that have taken plea bargains are going to cages. Um, you've got probation. You've got charges dropped. You've got time served. Um, Aria, who's the final uh, plea bargain, because they did offer one to Ian, but it wasn't worth taking. <laughs> I think it was 10 years in prison. Um, Aria is... Um, has not yet been sentenced. We are thinking it is likely and we are hopeful that she will not get prison. Um, I can't say anything more, but um, you will say all this stuff in the movie. And um, what we're trying to do is get the movie made. And I want to make it um, clear. Ian um, you know, wants to make it clear. We paid for the trailer. We paid for this 10-minute um, thing to be done so that you had the money to get it done. You gave us a great deal. You're very interested in the whole topic, and your hope is to make a greater movie over it. But to be clear, Free Talk Live doesn't benefit from your fundraising. Your fundraising's for your movie that we really hope gets made. And we are supporting the making of this movie financially and otherwise, you know, through the creation of the, the, the trailer. I have bought the trailer for you people. Now it's your turn to buy the movie is the way I see it. Absolutely. So tell me about it. Tell me, tell me what you're doing. I've been doing all the talking. So <laughs> you, please. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, as uh, you might remember that we met at an island and you uh, sort of told me the story of the Crypto 6, I was absolutely and immediately interested in it because I thought that uh, in and it on itself, it was a great story. 
So I do remember uh, you even told me that you wanted to do go for the full documentary to what I told you. Well, a feature film costs a lot of money to make. Yep. So uh, how? And about this is good. Go? If anybody goes and sees this, this is a well-produced uh, video. Exactly. So I told you, I remember telling you, how about we do a teaser trailer first to see how much interest people has in the movie. And independently of, uh, of the fundraiser, I mean, I'm still uh, watching Free Talk Live and uh, trying to get all those video snippets to try and even put something together. But the point here is, and the objective is to like truly go for a beautifully shot and, and really well-made documentary that it's going to tell the story like it's supposed to be told. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, you've shown in the trailer that you can do just that. And I think that the first thing that people think of when they think of these sorts of movies is, well, are you going to get on Netflix and um, are you going to get on Amazon or anything like that? Because, I mean, well, you know, uh, there was the yes. there was Tiger King, right? Like, Absolutely. here's this. I wouldn't call it beautifully produced, but um, it was it was well done. And it was just some shocking things happen. And it just took the world by storm because everybody was stuck at home. <laughs> exactly. That is actually uh, a great comparison, Tiger King. I'm not saying this is going to be Tiger King because uh, definitely it's not the same type of people. But there's definitely a great story to be told and great characters, too. I mean, Ian... Aria, yourself, to some degree, are uh, like very unique people that uh, I don't think uh, people really know that well outside the, the radio shows. And yep. it'll be a great opportunity for for your audience or, or whoever is want to see the documentary to get to sort of uh, get a, a peek, sneak peek into your lives and and the type of people you are. I um, would say that Arya and Ian, frankly, are even more interesting off air in your movie. You got these interesting characters in a conflict situation and even kids know, you know, in order to have a good story, you need conflict. And you're, you know, a great storyteller and you really make these characters stand out with the the editing and the pieces that you put in. Oh, thank you. I mean, like I said, I invite everyone to watch the the trailer, teaser trailer. Uh, it's only nine minutes long. I'm working on doing a shorter cut, too, for the people that have a little bit of a lower attention span. Oh, dear God. Uh, if you can't watch nine, uh, nine or ten minute long video, then you, <laughs> you, you need more than we can provide you on the Internet. You need therapy. Um, it's great. And, and it's mean, well worth going to ballad of the crypto six six with a numeral dot com exactly please go there and if you can and you want to see this movie made as a feature documentary then consider uh backing us up on uh indiegogo all the links are in the uh, on the website so uh you can't miss it indiegogo gives these tiers of benefits what are some of the tiers that one can expect by well, uh, going uh, and donating yeah, well, there's, uh, I'd say there's like uh, two main uh, tiers, right? I mean, the, the ones that are a little bit more accessible financially will offer you a credit as a, as a backer in the movie and also a T-shirt and a uh, cap, depending on how much you invest, as well as a few stickers and goodies. And uh, the, the, the next level, I'd say the one that uh, actually uh, will get you a producer credit on the movie uh, it's considerably more money, but if, I mean, there's people that are willing to, to spend that kind of money, we'll also get access to, uh, the crypto six. I mean, at least Aria and Ian, and they will be able to have dinner with them and also to host a free talk live edition, depending on how much there's even a tier, the elite one that, uh, will allow them to host it for a week. So, <laughs> It's a huge yeah. offer from Ian. Um, amazing that he this just shows how interested he is in the creation of this movie. And I think that if you care about the Crypto Six and if you want to see them uh, free and you have the means to uh, you know sponsor at these top levels, I'd ask you to. Because the fact is, is that we haven't gotten the kind of media coverage that I was hoping to get. And I don't know. I think it's because the media just doesn't understand Bitcoin, doesn't understand why the FBI is going after some people and not going after other people. And it's very simple. Banks are protecting their interests and they're using their attack dogs to do so. And there's an FBI agent that truly hates Ian. 
all this stuff is uh, contained within and you can support it and we can find out more. This movie truly could be the thing that makes the difference in if it gets done quickly enough, it could make the difference in what happens with Ian, but it could make the difference in how Bitcoin. And I think this is more even more important and more important to Ian too. how Bitcoin's treated in the future, because if we can show people that the ability to buy and sell Bitcoin between people is a right, not a privilege granted by the government. If you can sell your refrigerator and your front lawn, you should be able to sell your Bitcoin to somebody on the internet because that's your right. To me, if this movie gets made, that right is more secure, not less. Well, definitely. I mean, uh, if we can uh, learn something about, say, the Daily Wire, right, uh, is that they have started to produce their own content and their own new shows and movies and all that stuff just to counter uh, the the regular narrative. Yep. So I think it it would also uh, the libertarian community in New Hampshire would benefit from also uh, creating content, quality content that people outside the community might also enjoy. So that would be a perk too. And as, and and like you said, right? I mean, uh, the FBI having personal grudges against uh, U.S. citizens for engaging in something that is not a crime. Uh, that is something that definitely more than one outside of New Hampshire, outside of the libertarian community might find interesting. It's a very important story, and I leave it in the hands of the listeners to get that story told. So please, ballad, as in a song, ballad of the crypto six, six, the numeral dot com. Please go there now. You just listened to the new extended free talk live daily digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live.